This is episode 437 of the AWS podcast, released on April 18, 2021. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast, Simon Lynch here with you. Great to have you back and we have a super special episode today. We have guests, we have audio snippets, we have all kinds of things because we're going to learn a lot about what it is to be a solution architect at AWS. So I'm joined by not one, not two, not three, but four very special guests. First, I'm joined by Gigi Beringer, who is a solution architect here. G'day, Gigi, welcome. Hi Simon, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on board. And I'm also joined by Dan Freeber. G'day, Dan. Hi, Simon. Thanks for having me on the show today. You're welcome. And uh, Tulsi Garg. G'day, Tulsi. Thank you, Simon. Thanks for having you again. And Laura Hyatt. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. So we have people from all corners of the earth today so that we can uh, really share with you some insights into what a day today is is of being a solution architect. And before I get some of our guests to introduce themselves a little more deeply, just to uh, to explain that for many customers of AWS, they never speak to anyone. You know, it's all on an on an API. Uh, it's all self service, pay as you go, pay for what you use. You know, all the good stuff. You can do everything you want without talking to a human being. Uh, which for some of us is a great experience. <laughs> However, for many customers, when they're doing things, maybe something a bit new, a bit complicated, or they just want to engage with a technical specialist while they're planning things out, a solution architect is the person they get to speak to and they engage with. Now, these are people who work uh, not under sort of like a contract or a commercial arrangement. It's typically for those larger organizations who are doing lots and lots of stuff and need someone to, to really get to know their business and understand how they operate. We hire a lot of solution architects all around the world. And one of the number one questions that people ask is, well, what is a day in the life of a solution architect like? And so we thought, let's get some solution architects together and talk about what it actually is. But before we do that, let's just get a, a quick understanding of where everyone is sitting locality-wise and the magical question is, or two questions, how long have they been at AWS and also what is their favourite movie? So Gigi, let me start with you. Where are you today? I am in New York City. The Big Apple. And uh, how long have you been at AWS and what's your favourite movie? I've been at AWS for two and a half years now and my favourite movie is Funny Face. Ah, good one. Nice. Dan, where are you? I'm um, best on the sunny Gold Coast in Australia in Queensland, Simon. And the movie that uh, you reach for if you have to reach for a movie? Um, it's one that my wife hates, but I love. It's The Godfather. There's something <laughs> classic about it. It's a long movie. How long have you been at AWS? Too? You've been here for a little while. I, I have. Um, so this is actually my second role um, at AWS. I spent two and a half years in ProServe, and I've been with the Swiss Architecture team for the last nine months. Fantastic. And Tulsi, where are you today? I'm based out of Vancouver, Canada. Uh, very nice. Very cold. <laughs> <laughs> and how long, how long have, has your tenure been so far and, and your favorite movie? I have been with AWS for about three and a half years now, two of which I did spend actually in the colder part of Canada in Toronto. And then I decided to move to Vancouver since the last year. And the movie that I, uh, I was recently watching, it's one of the, uh, kind of Bollywood movies is a sequel to a movie called Drishyam. It's a kind of a suspense trailer. Very nice. And lucky last is Laura. Laura, I think you drew the short straw on uh, time zones uh, for us today. <laughs> Uh, no worries. Um, so yeah, I am uh, just outside of Oxford in the UK and I've been with AWS now for just shy of 18 months. 
yeah, a favorite movie. Um, it has to be the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I still love it to this day. Ah, uh, there you go, there you go. And everyone wants to visit Hobbiton down in our end, our end of the world. So let's dive into it. Let's talk about what we do. And maybe, uh, maybe Laura, I'll start with you, given that we've got you got you uh, paying attention. Um, as a solution architect, do you spend all day in the console? Is that your life, <laughs> the AWS console? <laughs> Um, so no, I don't. Um, I think it's interesting the solutions architect role because it's such this really nice mix of speaking to customers and also being technical. So no, I don't spend all my time in the console. Um, a lot of time, especially at the moment, I am mainly talking to my customers and kind of trying to solutionize what they might want to do. Um, I think it's interesting because my customers are actually quite at the early stages of their AWS journey. Um, so I look after education customers so like universities and researchers. And um, so they're probably not as further along maybe as some of like commercial companies maybe. And so I'm doing more talking through kind of almost like what AWS is, how this is going to help them um, sort of architecting. Um, so I'm probably more at the early stages than most of the people. But I also spend quite a bit of time in the console also for my own skills as well. Um, I'm studying for a pro at the moment, pro cert, so I'm spending a lot of time in the console to make sure that I'm, you know, up to scratch. Up to, I, can, I can imagine. I think the the variety becomes, becomes a bit of a, a key. Maybe, Dan, let me come to you. I mean, we've got... Um, you know, well over uh, 170 plus different services growing, changing all the time. Uh, do you s- just spend your entire day studying? <laughs> we certainly could spend our entire day studying, Simon, and uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, it's really, the, the, the way I look at it, it's really directed by a customer and in my case, partner needs. So I look after uh, a number of partners here in Queensland that are working with customers predominantly in the public sector. And, um, you know, on any day, they could be having a challenge with a particular service or a subset of services on AWS. If I know those, great. I'll jump in and, and, and help them out straight away. If not, I've got a couple of different options up my sleeve. I can go off and do some research, which probably meets the need 80% of the time. But when we really need to go deep on a, on a specific service or capability within a service, the great thing about being a solution architect is that it's actually a team sport. I don't need to know everything. And, uh, you know, it's getting harder and harder for one person to know everything. So I, I've got the opportunity to um, to work with my colleagues who are really deep in a, a particular set of services like AI and ML or data and analytics. Uh, pull them into uh, my customer or partner engagements, bring them up to speed with context, and then, um, you know, watch them dive really deep into the, the customer's problem and help them solve it. It's, a, it's definitely a share and share alike type experience. I guess, uh, Gigi, from your perspective, I mean, we, we're talking quite a lot of t- technology. Is this the sort of role that you sort of have to have a master's degree in IT to even think about doing it? Or can you have a, a, a variety of backgrounds? We, on our team, and I think on, on most teams, we see quite a variety of backgrounds. The SA role, I think, used to be something that you would slowly work your way from more technical, and then it becomes this more kind of overarching architecture, strategic type opportunity. But I actually went through our tech U training program from outside of university. And so I went straight from university from an undergrad engineering degree into the solutions architect role here at AWS. Fantastic. Very interesting pathways. And I think that's the thing is that there are, there are many pathways to becoming a solution architect. And uh, you can never assume that people came, came through the same way. Everyone brings their own experiences. Let's talk customers for a moment. Uh, Tulsi, let me come to you. 
how many customers do you have and how do you get assigned the customers that you work with? So I work with mostly nonprofit organization customers here, and I've done that for the Eastern as well as the Western sort of territory in Canada. And uh, one thing I can tell you is uh, there's not a particular assignment. So as a solutions architect, you spend your time working with a lot of customers. If I was to count, I'll say at least tens of customers. So looking at 40 or maybe even 50 customers, but they, they're not always looking to get help every day, right? So on any given day, you might have a particular customer that is requesting help maybe for architecture review, or there's another customer that needs to maybe look at something that they are already running and they're looking to cost optimize it, right? So it, it could be anything. And then from that perspective, you sort of optimize and prioritize your time to make sure that you're spending it in the most impactful way. In other words, you're able to help, you know, majority of the customers that are looking for help and also to make sure that, uh, you know, you do it in a manner where you're doing the most impactful activities. So in, in that sense, most of the time I spend with my customers goes toward, I would say, helping them uh, either brainstorm for uh, new workloads or optimizing the existing ones. I think that's a re- really good um, sort of uh discussion about where you spend your time and how you spend your time because obviously at Amazon we we uh, really like to use our leadership principles and how we talk about things and one of the leadership principles is frugality and often when I talk to SAs I say how important frugality is as a leadership principle and they're like what do you mean you know I, I'm not spending money <laughs> why would frugality matter it's it's really about frugality with time and you know I think Tulsi you'd agree you've got so many cool things you could be working on you've got to be very selective about where you spend your time because that's the most precious resource. That's true. And one of the things that I've realized is as a as a pre-sales role, solution architect being that role, kind of your time to your customers is not necessarily built. And as a result, everybody wants some, right? So from that perspective, if you want to be helpful, and this goes back to customer obsession as well, you need to make sure that you're optimizing and prioritizing it in the most optimal manner. Let's let's touch on that. Maybe Dan, I'll come to you because you you were pro- previously in our professional services organisation, moved across to the solution architecture organisation, and solution architecture is is essentially what would be called in the industry a pre sales role. So it's a a technologist that gets engaged with customers before they've sort of purchased anything, or it's not tied to a particular contract, etc. H- how do you work with customers in a in a different way compared to perhaps being in in a professional services role? I guess the the major change for me, Simon, is the fact that um, I've shifted further left in the, I guess, the decision-making process. So helping the customer understand the technologies available to them and helping them weave their strategy around how they're going to use them to improve the experience of, of you know, citizens here in Australia. So the, the conversations are different. And maybe, maybe, Gigi, let me come to you. Like, do you spend your whole day just waving your arms around and writing on whiteboards? Or is it a little bit more than that? <laughs> Not saying there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> that is that is probably one of the most fun fun parts is really getting on the whiteboard with our customers and problem solving. Um, with COVID, obviously, that is that is not currently happening as much. But I think I spend probably two thirds of my day working on meetings with customers, discussing things. Luckily, once you you've been at AWS for for long enough, you do learn enough services that you don't necessarily have to prep as deeply as when you first started, just because you you have that experience behind you. So I'm privileged enough to, to work with those customers most of the day. And then the rest of the time is either working with my multiple account managers to figure out how we can help that customer best, 
Um, recently, it's also been a lot of internal working with business development and ProServe and Amazon managed services to, to figure out what we're going to do to make sure that our customers can, can help during this, this particular time because I am focused on GovTex. So oh, a lot wow. of my work has been COVID-focused in right. the past nine months. It's, a, it's all about the customer's mission. Now, something we're going to do today that's a little different from normal episodes is I have audio snippets because we went out to our uh, SA community and said, hey, spend two minutes telling us about your day. And so what I've got is a few little samples and we'll, we'll listen to a few of them. And As we listen to each one, we'll have a bit of a chat about sort of what resonates and, and what's interesting about it. So uh, let me start uh, off with Sam. Let's have a listen to what his day looks like. Hi, I'm Sam Annis-Brown, a solutions architect in worldwide public sector here at AWS. Been with AWS for about three years and I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, where I support education customers. So what's a day in my life look like? Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit and actually talk about a couple of days in my life, just because I think it really highlights the thing that I love the most about the SA role. Uh, and that's how it kind of mingles this deep technical knowledge with thought leadership as well. So on the first day and deep tech, um, I was on a call with a customer where they were really struggling to understand how they could move some of their on-prem ETL processes into the cloud and into AWS. So they were heavily constrained with on-prem infrastructure and, and had a desire to move this across, but they had thousands of lines of SQL and an almost equivalent amount of lines of, of Python that had grown over many years and they were just struggling to understand the best services to use in AWS and how to orchestrate that. So I was giving them guidance on what native services to use uh, and what steps we might take to, to start breaking this apart and actually migrate it across in a kind of logical way that becomes efficient and scalable into the future. So that was on the tech side, but on the flip side of that, the very next day, I was in a workshop with a CTO, CIO, and, and much of the leadership team of another customer where we were talking operating models. Um, so the customer is aware that their operating model is maybe a little bit more traditional, and they were really coming to AWS for advice on the cloud adoption framework and how we might be able to align business outcomes more with their operating model and more with their technology. So that was a really, really interesting meeting where we really got to dig into the strategy um, and then the big picture of what the customer wants to, wants to achieve and hopefully influence and help guide them in, in that in some way. So I hope that gives a little bit of insight in what the average SA gets up to. Like I said, I love the role just because I get to, I get to talk tech and big picture all in the same day and in the same week. So Laura, let me come to you. I mean, uh, I think Sam called out something that I see resonating with a lot of essays that we speak to, which is it's the dive deep, but also the big picture and the think big. And sort of combining those two almost brain hemispheres is, is exciting, but a challenge as well, isn't it? Oh, massively, massively. Um, it's funny, when I first joined, I suppose what everyone always says is that imposter syndrome, um, because we do have, <laughs> like you said, like 175 plus services. It's like, how are you supposed to know about them all? And I think when you first join, especially when you've got, you know, some super clever people here, you're like, oh my God, how am I ever going to, you know, keep up with all this? But actually, I think the thing is, one is obviously this is definitely a job for continuous learning and you definitely have to to love technology and love AWS. But also like I found here is that if you if you don't know something, people are so willing to help. And I've definitely learned that. I remember when I first joined, I was kind of like, no, I don't want to show that I don't know something. And actually now I'm like, you know what? I don't know. So I'll either go learn about it or, you know, go ask somebody else. So yeah, but in terms of that dive deep, yeah, it's definitely um, 
it's something you find your niche as well, I suppose, um, that you definitely become almost like a, an expert in, which is what I really like. And I like the concept of the TFCs to really sort of help you sort of dive deep and become that sort of expert. And I think that's a really great thing about the essay role is that you can get involved in not only your industries like mine is education but with my TFC I get to dive deep um, on so I, I do IOT in other sectors as well which is uh, really really interesting for me. So just to unpack for our listeners the uh, TFC there are technical feedback communities which are basically groups of solution architects who take a deep specialty as well as being general across a, a wide variety of services into a particular domain so for example, IoT, etc., and I guess that that raises the the discussion. And maybe, um, maybe Tulsi, I'll come to you. Is that you know how how much do SAs influence what it is that AWS builds? Um, are, are they involved? Do they help set roadmap? Like, what's the what's the deal there? Absolutely, and I, I think this is uh, so. This actually makes my job uh, a little bit more interesting from that perspective because one thing I absolutely love is to be able to you know, provide feedback back to the service teams because one of the things that makes kind of our roadmap, right, and our overall offering kind of successful is the fact that it is driven from customer feedback. So as is, if you look at it, service teams don't necessarily have as many means of collecting that feedback directly from the customers. And SAs being out in the field and various other roles as well, have the ability to bring that feedback back to the service team. So over the course of the last few years that I've been at AWS, I've had multiple opportunities to interact with the service teams. We have formal mechanisms of sharing feedback where certain features of a service might be lacking or desired or future enhancements are needed in that area. And customers often will kind of give you that feedback directly, right? And being an essay, it is your job to make sure you not only provide them with feasible solutions at the moment, but also make sure that those, that feedback uh, goes back to the service teams for the future roadmap. So from that perspective, you get you know multiple opportunities to to make sure that uh, the service teams are informed. And also, what I've noticed more recently, service teams have been also been reaching out uh, on their own. They have sometimes noticed trends in my customer accounts, for example, of a certain new service picking up right in terms of uses, and they want to understand more of how the customer use cases is making use of that service. So I would say, you know, it is really, really crucial for AWS to learn that, and we have kind of various mechanisms through which we have been able to provide that feedback back to service teams. Yeah, that feedback loop is is super important. Let's uh, let's listen to another snippet and see what we think. My name is Pauline Kelly, and I'm a solutions architect for worldwide public sector. What is my typical day? Well, that's a tough one because every day brings about new challenges and new things to learn. My day might include talking to public sector organizations about what outcomes they'd like to achieve and the technologies they can use to get there. I'll talk to them about what they're enjoying, what they're finding challenging, and what's possible with AWS. To inform myself before engaging in these conversations, I do a lot of research to understand how our services work, what they're capable of, and how they all fit together. This is what we call sharpening the saw, but it's not just limited to AWS services. I spend time learning other technologies too, basically anything that could come up in a conversation with our customers. Generally though, I prefer to show rather than tell because, in my mind, it's much more powerful to see our services in action. I like to build proof of concept applications to demonstrate the art of the possible for our customers. 
I remember one from last year where I built a customized chatbot in a matter of hours using Amazon Lex, and I gave them a short demo. The customer couldn't believe it. They were visibly delighted when they saw how little time it had taken to meet their requirements. So that was a really good day. I think a lot about how to create accessible, reusable, technical content that our customers will enjoy, find interesting, and will really help them. So I do a lot of development of hands-on workshops, presentation content, and blog content. For example, I recently built a machine learning operations, or MLOps, safe deployment pipeline workshop with a couple of other specialists. It's a topic that started coming up a lot with our customers who run machine learning workloads. And you can actually try it out yourself on the workshops.aws website. But yeah, my typical day is pretty atypical for the most part. Being a solutions architect at AWS is unquestionably the most varied, interesting, and rewarding role that I've ever had. So some interesting insights there from, from Pauline. And what's interesting is, you know, it's not just the, the one-to-one customer interaction. It's writing blogs, it's doing presentations or creating immersion days. Um, Gigi, have you done much in the way of sort of one-to-many interactions with customers or sort of scaling what you're doing? Yes. So for me, I actually, like Laura was saying earlier, am in the midst of joining a technical feedback community. So I've been working on blogs to, to help me ramp up into that analytics community. I also had the privilege of working with a few customers that published blogs on homelessness and on COVID kind of reactions in, in New York City and how to make chatbots for people who needed help from their insurance companies. So definitely a lot of blog posts. Um, when it comes to immersion days, those those feel like a thing of the past currently, but <laughs> I know we're still doing them. Um, some some places. <laughs> Yeah, some places and, and virtually even on my team, as long as you can keep people's focus for that long, it it is something that I think our team and, and myself really enjoy and see such a value out of to, to go deep with a customer for the full day and see and meet people maybe you don't meet with day to day because they were able to join that immersion day and, and go deep with us on, on a new topic or a relevant topic to what they're creating. And so you're helping customers, I guess, understand and, and, and solve problems themselves versus it's not you on the keyboard solving it for them. Like we don't, we don't do production, they do production. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we're there looking over their shoulder, supporting them, giving them the materials to learn themselves, but also giving them us as, as a material to learn from, right? So whether it's weekly meetings with a customer, I, for a while, one of my my customers on my old team, was, which was state and local government, we had weekly meetings to dive into a new service each week. And so they would bring a bag of lunch and, and we just do deep dives and kind of take that opportunity for them to sharpen their saw, but then also for me ahead of time to be sharpening my saw on all those different services. And Dan, from your perspective, what would you say is one of the most sort of interesting challenges you've been involved with with a customer solution so far? Some of those maybe tougher or more gnarly to, to fix or to, to, to find a way? Um, interesting one, Simon. Um, I think the most interesting challenges in, in, in my space tend not to be technical, and they're more around getting alignment within a customer or partner's organization. So, you know, this is trying to get a blend of top-down approach where management are providing high-level direction and support for change, and then engaging those at the front line to... to help them come up to speed with a particular set of services or technology and then actually start to 
actually start to do something. Uh, and that's something that, that I've seen in the past with customers, uh, maybe falling by the wayside a little bit now, is, um, you know, we always say just start somewhere. Uh, start, with, start, start with something simple. Start with, you know, a problem that you're seeing in your business and pick away, uh, pick away at it using the, the technologies and the services that we provide. So let's take another, another listen. We've got uh, input from all around the globe. So here's a, a really interesting story that I think you'll enjoy. Hi, my name is Shazli Mansour Mohamed Ghazali, and I'm a public sector solutions architect based out of Malaysia. The most interesting project that I have worked was a POC for Alexa uh, for the Malaysian Ministry of Health. Uh, it started with a discussion with the advisor to the Minister of Health on how AWS can work with the ministry to add value to its business, business and to determine a POC. We brainstormed a couple of ideas ranging from AI ML for diabetes prediction, medical document analysis with Amazon Comprehend Medical, and an FAQ bot using Amazon Lex and Alexa. We finally selected Amazon Lex and Alexa, but to query their data warehouse for different use cases, such as querying how many hospital beds are available in the States and the number of diabetes cases in Malaysia. We engage our education partner, which is the Asia-Pacific University, to help develop the system. We were able to query data exported from their on-premise data warehouse into RDS with Alexa. Uh, due to MOH confidence in the system, a live demonstration of the interaction with an Amazon Echo Show was done by the Malaysian Minister of Health on stage during his keynote speech in an international medical conference. The demo performs successfully and smoothly without a hitch, and the team, including the minister himself, was impressed. The project was interesting as we explored different technologies such as SageMaker, Lex, and Alexa. Um, it was also interesting as we had to talk with different parties to basically give their blessings from the advisor to the minister, uh, the MOH informatics units, uh, MOH data warehouse vendors, and especially with the chief government security office uh, to help determine which data we can use for this demonstration. Thank you. So that's a pretty uh, fascinating example. I mean, we've got... Uh influencing the the medical outcomes of a, of a nation. We've got a minister doing a live demonstration, which is always fun. <laughs> I think one of the features of this role is often you get to work on things that end up in the papers. Uh, it doesn't say, you know, you know so-and-so solution architect worked on this, but you get that, that sense of satisfaction about having been involved. Laura, have you found with with uh, you know COVID and other other government reactions that you've been drawn into more of some of those sort of critical pieces of work for our customers? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially being in the education sector. So when um, obviously the UK went down, I'm sure I happened across the world as well. But when the UK went into sort of lockdown, you know, March time last year, and all our schools and universities shut and had to do sort of you know, like online teaching. All of a sudden, you know, it was kind of this huge demand for cloud computing, essentially. And because um, I also look after edtechs, which are like kind of like private companies, a lot of startups that do sort of online learning, they also saw a huge demand needed to scale. And so it absolutely exploded sort of the beginning to sort of summer last year. So yeah, it was it was really great though to work on those customers to actually show um, to kind of make an actual difference, um, you know, to help, you know, students still be able to learn and do their exams. Yeah, it was such a it's such a really great feeling to actually work on something that that makes a real difference. 
yeah, it must have been uh, really, really satisfying. Hey, Tulsi, let me come to you. How do you how do you know you're doing a good job? I mean, one of the things we're talking about here is all the different things you do. You know, you're diving deep, you're talking to CIOs, you're waving your arms around in front of a whiteboard, you're doing a blog post. How are you measured if, if you're doing good or not good? Good question, Simon. I think uh, uh, this is one we often think about, right, all the time, uh, just between us and, you know, in our, in our teams as well. So I, I would say for me personally, one of the big things that provides to, to me, the largest satisfaction is the direct feedback from the customer, right? So it is like, you know, we are, we are out there helping customers every day. It's not every day that uh, you hear the most impactful feedback, but then often from time to time, you will have customers that come back and they, they kind of take the time to say thank you because you have been more involved in something so particular and something that made a change kind of in not only for them, but on behalf of their customers, right? So, for example, very recently, you know, I was involved in a project where we have one of the largest insurance providers for health and dental benefits here uh, in BC. And uh, because of COVID, obviously, they were expecting uh, a much larger volume of things to come in and uh, their staff wasn't necessarily able to get on site and be able to be productive. So they were in need of uh, kind of scaling things up pretty quickly. And they went from kind of zero workspaces to almost 600 plus workspaces in a matter of days. And, uh, you know, oftentimes, even if uh, like in this case, the customer was appreciative enough, they, they actually provided feedback. But sometimes these are the kind of days when you you, you see your impact, right? You can directly see things scaling. You can see how it directly affects the end customer, which in many cases for me is the end citizen, right? Uh, working in the nonprofit space. So I have similar examples. I have another example where, you know, I had a customer where they were looking to kind of quickly scale again because of COVID and they were looking for a, a contact center solution and we were able to quickly get in and help them. So I would say to me, the biggest uh, indicator of success is the direct customer feedback. Uh, but otherwise, there are kind of other internal measures. We look at the overall kind of revenue growth. We look at based on the territories. We look at how much impact we have been able to make, which are more aggregated trends that typically point to impact for the teams. But as an individual, it's the direct feedback, I would say. And let's talk about how do you work with your, your account manager? Because one of the interesting things about the SA role is, is we work with customers. We want customers to, to use AWS, but also we're responsible for making sure they're making efficient use of AWS. So one of our one of our goals is to reduce customer spend on a workload by workload basis to make sure they're doing the best. Um, how's your interaction with with I guess the, the account manager who's really concerned more about the, those commercial interactions? So uh, one of the things, and this is a question, Simon, that I think you know my AM may not necessarily like me for, but one of the things we have always felt is, uh, you know, at AWS, I have really liked this kind of, this is a, a conscious decision to have essays in, in a position where they're always kind of coached right from the day one since I joined the teams. I was told that I was to make sure that I was looking after the customer interest, right, as the paramount necessity and look at everything else in terms of revenue growth. Obviously, I am happier if our customers are using AWS more, but not at the cost of kind of efficiency or optimization. So one of the key tenants 
when as a solution architect, I get involved with customers is to evaluate their workloads, not only from security perspective, but also from cost optimization perspective. So it is very clear from the top-down leadership in the SA organization that you know, as a solutions architect, you you want to do your absolute best to provide customers with ideas and solutions that are most cost effective and yet help them meet their demands. Now, oftentimes there are other factors at play. There is obviously the question of making sure the solution is secure enough or it is kind of reliable enough from a resiliency perspective and those often add to the cost. But, uh, you know, at least in my experience, last three and a half years, I've never had a customer, you know, kind of paying for something that, uh, you know, just because we, we kind of, we wanted them to use more AWS. So yeah, certainly not yeah. that. It's, it's definitely, there's a difference between being cheap and being effective and uh, getting the balance right is that, but we certainly don't want customers spending any more than they need to. Let's, uh, let's take a bridge into an, another snippet and see what, what resonates. Hey, podcast listeners. A big hello from the freezing cold north of Ottawa, Canada. My name is Ralph Holm, and I'm a solutions architect with AWS. I've been here for two and a half years, and every day I learn something new. I work primarily with Canadian government customers, and they have some really interesting business and technical problems that they're trying to solve. For instance, this week, I have a customer that wants to send out thousands upon thousands of SMS messages every day. They are polling their employees across Canada about adhering to COVID-19 protocols. And what's really interesting about this is they've built a simple proof of concept using Amazon Pinpoint And they're wondering if they can take that same architecture and scale it from the tens of messages that they're using in testing out to about 20,000 messages per day. And of course, with a bit of planning, they definitely can. That's what the AWS services are designed for. And I'll work with them to ensure that all of those pieces get put together correctly. I really like these kinds of problems where customers have an idea and they need to scale it out quickly. You know, for instance, I have another customer in my space that needs to launch a contact center to schedule COVID-19 vaccination rollouts for millions of citizens. There's, there's no way that they could do this with their legacy systems. They would just take far too long. So being able to help them with that and show them that there is a path forward and that they can do this in a fraction of the time they normally would is really rewarding. Anyway, folks, if you have an interesting business or technical problem that you need help with, I encourage you to reach out to your local AWS solutions architect. They can probably show you a faster and easier way forward. And if they don't know the answer, they'll bring in somebody who does. Until then, stay warm, stay safe. Bye. So there is a, a alarming consistency in the feedback of, of people's perspectives. And, and I think um, you know, Ralph raised an interesting point about sort of having to, to get your arms around an architecture and an approach, et cetera. I think, Gigi, it's a good chance for us to maybe talk about how you approach architectural discussions with your customers. I mean, you've got all these services. Do you have to force them to use every single service? Or how, what's your mental model that you use when you're engaging with a customer and are doing the uh, arm-wavy whiteboarding thing together? Right. So I think, I think there's a couple of approaches that people have, but all essays start by working backwards. So we ask the customer for, kind of for that dream state, what they'd like to have and where they are now. And then we, we figure out the path forward. That might entail 
using some AWS services or using some services offered in our marketplace because we, we don't have the perfect fit for them. And and that's something that as their SA, we're, we're looking out for them in that sense. And, and we take great pride, I think, in finding those solutions, whether or not it's a service of ours that we're offering. Something else that I like to do is get the customer whiteboarding on the whiteboard with me to figure out what they want and then working backwards from there as well. So saying, okay, we have that, we don't have that. Let's fill in the blanks and kind of put together the puzzle pieces that work best. And there's there's kind of a a pragmatism that has to take place, isn't there? Because it's not like we're going in there and saying, well, let's let's get this uh, sort of square peg in the round hole. It's like, well, let's understand your context and then and then see what we can apply because in, in many cases there are many many possible solutions and some people for example might prefer a serverless approach others might want containers others might want EC2 some might want relational some might be more comfortable with NoSQL some might be interested in trying something different I mean it's it's kind of like choose your own adventure in a way isn't it Absolutely it's it's the lego pieces right so they can they can do anything they want really and we're there to make it happen with them which is, I think, pretty cool. And it, it almost feels creative most of the time when we are on that whiteboard. It's no longer an engineering job or a technical role, but you're, you are doing something creative and you're helping them create something that, especially with, with all of us who are in public sector, something meaningful. So it's a cool combination of, of those two things that we get to do every day. It is. Laura, let me come to you because you, you touched on that that imposter syndrome of thinking, well, everyone knows way more than me. But but I think there's a flip side is that there's a, to, to sort of that artistry part of it, when you, there's that moment when you're on the whiteboard with the customer and you're seeing their eyes light up. It's pretty special. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think as well, quite a lot of customers are not necessarily technical. So for example, for me, I work directly with professors and researchers. And so really their end goal is to, you know, sort of enable their research using technology. And and sometimes they've got this idea in their head, you know, that they want to research something, but just don't really know how it's possible. And then when we talk about, you know, it's possible we can do this, we can do this and, and build what they need. And just to see that their, you know, vision is going to come to life. That's like a really special moment. Yeah, that I really, really enjoy with this job. Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely a wow moment. And I think w- one of the other things about being a solution architect is you see so many more customers and projects than you would if you're working just for one company. Um, because, you know, many, many roles, you'll, you'll work on one project for years. You know, we've all done that. But in this role, you're sort of chopping and changing all the time. So, I mean, you'd see tens or even hundreds of, of different things. Oh, definitely. It's funny. I get asked this, um, like, oh, how long does each project last? And I'm like, it completely changes all the time, depending on what it was. Like my previous job before working at AWS, like I was on one project that was lasting years. And I did kind of, I was writing Terraform, like did the same thing every, you know, every single day in that sense. Whereas this, I'm, you know, you know, one minute talking to a customer about IoT, the next minute is databases. One customer I'm starting from the scratch, you know, from scratch sort of talking about what is AWS. Another one I'm like deep diving on containers. And I think that is really, really interesting. Um, Also just from a kind of obviously helping customers, but from my own learning as well, it makes it sort of, I suppose, as I think all of these uh, snippets have said, you know, an essay role every day is completely different. (laughs) Yeah, that's there's definitely no no one day, and bringing a, a growth mindset to work is probably the uh, the key here because uh, you're, you're always going to be doing something different. And, and if you, 
I think, you know, that, that's an important distinction here is that if you're not comfortable with that modality, that's okay. There's probably different roles in, in AWS and within the industry that really suit, but this is this is one that has a, a high degree of, of, of uncertainty. And maybe, maybe Dan, let me come to you. You know, with, with that uncertainty, how have you balanced that given that, that in your prior role you were far more on very uh, programmed project work to now where it is much more um, sort of flexible in terms of what's happening each day? I call it self-directed, Simon. Um, it's really about understanding the opportunities that are are available in my patch. So, you know, exactly what partners and customers are working on collectively. And then identifying the ones where, uh, you know, injecting time to have a, a technical discussion with the customer directly or with the partner can can make an impact to the outcome, right? Yeah, it's making making those making those good choices. Let's grab a final snippet and see what we think. Hi. So my name is Thomas Gray. I am a partner solutions architect here in worldwide public sector. I work with AWS partners across the UK, and my role is to help them on their partner journey. So to help their engineering teams develop a deeper knowledge of AWS and to help their business teams create new offerings to take to market. I think to describe a day in my life in my role as a partner solutions architect, you're going to get a really similar answer to other solutions architects across the business, and that every day can be really, really different. Fundamentally, in any given week, I'm performing the same kinds of activities, right? I, I have regular checking calls with my partners where we track sort of long-term initiatives that we're working on together, and whether that's a new competency or they're driving towards a new market offering that we're developing. There's a great example of a project I'm working on at the moment where I'm helping my partner to develop the AWS architecture for a space debris deorbiting project. This is one of those projects that even just from its name, you know it's going to be really interesting and you know you're going to learn a load. And that's definitely been true for me. The partner's challenge has been how to solve the traveling salesman problem, but in regards to deorbiting space debris. So right now, they're using a digital annealer of their own design, plus a load of machine learning in AWS to try and quickly find the best path to take to deorbit the most debris with the least energy required. What's really special about this project for me, other than that I get to learn how maneuvers in space work from actual rocket scientists, is that the solution the partner's developing here will likely go on to help hundreds of customers to deorbit thousands of pieces of debris, making space travel safer for humans and making it safer for the technology that we continually send into space. Every time I run a workshop with a partner on an AWS service with a few of their engineers, or I get to run a game day for a hundred of their engineers who want to learn more about how to use AWS, I get a real satisfaction that my work is having a really broad impact and that I get to help this partner learn more about AWS and, and how they can use it so they can take that knowledge and they can help their customers. That's a great feeling for me. That's, that's one of the highlights of my day. Working as a partner solutions architect is, is hard. It's, it, it's kind of harder than I imagined it would be. And when you really invest yourself in, in you and your partners and you dive really deep into the challenges they face, the things that keep them up at night, it means that you can start to affect real change for them with their organizations. That's what keeps me coming to sit back here in my shed at the end of the garden every single day, Monday to Friday, and keep driving forwards with them. It's the knowledge that that we can really change their business. And through that, they can really deliver the right things for their end customers. That's the thing that kind of keeps me coming back and, and keeps me really happy. What a great story. And, and one of those uh, great examples where you can't actually use the phrase, it's not like it's rocket science, because it is rocket science. <laughs> um, I, I think what's interesting is, is the passion that you hear from, from all the SAs who are speaking about what they do and, and why they do it. And maybe to close, 
I'm going to go around the horn and, and get each of you to maybe talk about uh, what piece of advice you would have liked someone to have given you before you decided to become a solution architect. Um, because many people would be listening going, oh, I wouldn't mind investing in this. What should I do? Let, let's, uh, let's, let's give them some, some guidance. So uh, I'm going to go just from, from my list here. Laura, let me start with you. Lucky first. Um, what piece of advice would you, would you give to someone or would have liked to have received? Um, so I always give this advice to new joiners. I always say, we, you know, we're generalist essays. And so, um, you know, we need to know about sort of, you know, 175 plus different services, but also think about what you want to be known for. So, for example, with me, my sort of specialty that I particularly enjoy is IoT. And so that's the kind of thing that I want to be known for as an essay. And um, so have a think about that. What is the area that you would love to deep dive into, you know, become an expert and, and really sort of be able to sort of, I suppose, change customers' businesses in that particular area. So think about that as well, because that's really going to also, I suppose, you know, help your career, challenge you, keep you motivated, and you'll be able to sort of, you know, really sort of shift the needle with customers in that. So think about what you want to be known for. Right advice. Tell us, what about yourself? So one of the things that uh, I've often noticed that makes a difference in terms of uh, whether you're going to like your job or absolutely hate it is, you know, being comfortable with uncertainty. I can say this from experience being here three and a half years and with the kind of growth we have had for the number of services we have, there is almost I've not seen anybody know everything perfectly, right? So just knowing that, there will be days when you'll be in situations where you will not know an answer and you will not have kind of a way forward immediately. Uh, just having that kind of that confidence to be comfortable in those situations, being honest with yourself and with your customers, making sure that you can acknowledge the gaps where they are and then take action on it in terms of uh, being able to reach out to the wider specialist teams or you know the extended team that we have as an essay community and and kind of keep making impact forward and just know that you you may have spent like i've spent three and a half years and i don't still feel comfortable every single day right so there will be times when you will feel uncomfortable and if you can kind of get through that get used to it and uh, keep learning, you will enjoy this job tremendously. Great advice. Dan, what about from your perspective? Um, I think uh, a common misconception about the, the role is that, you know, we do a lot of, a lot of talking, a lot of hand-waving. My advice to, to somebody joining the SA org is it's actually a listening role. If you can use 20% of your time with customers to get them talking and listen for 80% of the time, you're going to get a really deep understanding of the customer's business and the problems they're trying to solve. And that allows you to be really effective as an essay, really target the suggestions that you're making and the solutions that you're pitching to them. Yeah, two ears, one mouth, use it in that ratio. Gigi, what about your perspective? Gosh, those are all so good. I think you all, all stole my ideas. <laughs> it's hard going last. <laughs> um, I know. So I think in addition to all those things, a really cool thing about AWS and a privilege we have is that there's so much behind just as a person. There's so many different people on our team and then on our org and then with business development and ProServe and go to market and specialists. There's there's so many people. And and really, I guess ask the question in the Slack channel or in the Chime group, like 
who's done this before? Who do you know helped you with this? And can I bring that person in also? Because there's so many people with so much value to add to customers. That's where I've seen, I think, the, the most benefit come in from our company to other companies is, is being able to supply those people that maybe are specialized in justice and public safety or whatever it might be and, and give them that specialty as well. So that way, that way they can grow their business and they can take from our other customers' experiences and lessons learned that we can, we can provide them and, and do amazing things. Great advice. I want to thank uh, Gigi, Dan, Tulsi and Laura for, for joining me today and also all the people that submitted uh, snippets to listen to. As a bonus content, there will be more snippets after the sort of uh, outro of this particular episode because uh, we have a few extra snippets. I think they're really interesting as well. We just couldn't fit it all into the one hour. So we'd love to do that. Hey, um, uh, Gigi, Dan, Tulsi, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Simon. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Simon. You're welcome. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We do love to get your feedback. Adibus Podcast at Amazon.com is the place to do that. Stay tuned for some bonus content. But until next time, keep on building. Hi, this is Alistair McLean here. I'm a Principal Solutions Architect with Powered by Public Sector. I've been in Amazon for about four and a half years. I think the most impactful and, and coolest thing I've worked on whilst being at AWS really was last April during the COVID-19 pandemic. My customer is the New York Department of Health. And as you can imagine, they were overwhelmed with the uh, amount of data gathering that was required in order for them to make data-driven decisions. So they reached out to us to see if we had any solutions. And lo and behold, uh, we were able to engage a partner, uh, Cloudicity, to help us build out a New York state-wide data lake in the department's AWS account in six days. And we went from zero to production traffic in six days that would ingest from one of six healthcare providers across the state. We then onboarded each new provider, the remaining five, on a weekly basis. And I think that was amazing because it enabled us to extremely quickly spin up a data ingestion capability that allowed them to make data-driven decisions and track disease progression and comorbidities at scale, right? And it that we, we then onboarded the other HIEs, they're called, and um, really to cover the entire state. And it was it was probably the coolest thing I've, I've worked on since being here. Hi, my name is Mike George, and I'm a senior solutions architect working with nonprofit customers. One of the things I love about being a solutions architect is that every day is different, and I feel like I'm always learning something new. For example, yesterday I spent some time in the morning searching technical documentation to get an answer to a customer's question on some of AWS's security services. I then wrapped up a proof of concept that I'm building for a customer to demonstrate how to build an event-driven data processing workflow that feeds into a data lake. Finally, in the afternoon, I spoke at one of my customer's cloud user group meetings to 100 plus people on CloudFront and Lambda at Edge. On other days, I'm meeting with business and technical stakeholders to better understand their business problems, and I'm, I'm looking for ways to help unblock them. I look for common problems across my customers and build solutions to solve these problems. Sometimes that's a proof of concept, and other times that might be working on a blog post. But regardless, every day is a new challenge, and seeing customers make progress toward better fulfilling their mission objectives is inspiring. The best part about being an essay is that I don't have a typical day in 
the life. Uh, there's a lot of activities and things that are common. Meetings, spending time talking and thinking about architecture, trying to solve problems. But the thing that I like the most about my job here, and I said this to my manager when I was hired, uh, I don't deal with boredom well. And, and that has not been a problem. I am always learning, always being challenged to learn from my colleagues, from my customers, from just trying to keep up with the stuff that we come up with, the new services that, that come out and how to use them and how to fit them into an architecture and where it makes sense to use them and where it doesn't. So boredom, boredom is out the window and, you know, there's calls, there's cadence calls with customers where we talk about larger ongoing initiatives and, and that's, that's fun and that's cool. It's really cool to see a customer transform and grow. While I know the shape of my week, not knowing exactly what it's going to be or what challenges are going to come up is actually pretty exciting to me. And I don't mean to make it sound chaotic. There's an order to it, uh, a rhythm to it. And honestly, part of what's so fascinating and interesting about this particular role is that you have a hand in, in, in making that and setting that rhythm. Hello, I am Koji, based in Tokyo, Japan, and working as a solution architect for public sector customers. Let me talk about how I work. I work with customers from central government agencies and companies under influence of the government, such as postal service. So naturally, customers do have different needs for technologies and are in different phases of cloud adoption. So I have a customer who has just started thinking about cloud adoption. In that case, I typically search my PC to find a material I made for another customer in a similar situation some time ago. But usually I found that I need to update the material because AWS changes a lot even for a brief period of time. That means I need to keep myself up to date regularly. So I also have a customer who has already migrated most of their systems to AWS and now wants to get more out of it. In such case, I discuss options with customers and also experts from AWS. Many times, I learn a lot from such conversation, especially how technology fixes their business issues. Of course, I spend a lot of time answering questions from customers and conduct tiny experiments to verify answers. This is also an opportunity to learn and reinforce my knowledge. So to me, working as an SA means learning continuously. Thank you. Hi, my name is Mohib Khan, and I'm working as a solutions architect at AWS Public Sector based in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. As an account SA, a typical day in my life goes by working with diverse customers in government, healthcare, state-owned entities, and nonprofit organizations. Being Amazonian, I work backwards from customers' business needs and their business objectives 
and understanding how AWS broad range of services which are more than 175 plus services as we speak today can help as building blocks to address those customer requirements. For example, I was in an executive meeting yesterday with a semi-government entity for logistics and supply chain looking for track and traceability solution for upcoming COVID-19 vaccines supply in the country using blockchain and evaluating how Amazon managed blockchain can help them. And day before yesterday, I was with a ministry looking for visual pollution management solution using AWS AI and machine learning services. Uh, whereas last week, I was with another municipality looking for a smart city platform solution using AWS IoT services and also leveraging AWS outposts to address their data residency concern. This is how I typically move from one technology to another and this really helps my learning graph to have an exponential growth. I am also an aspiring member of High Performance Computing Technical Field Community, also known as TFC, that helps to scale specialists in a specific domain. And probably by six months, I will be a full member of it and shall be able to help HPC use cases for the customers globally. I also try to conduct as many interviews as possible to help the teams in hiring more builders in the region and support them in their onboarding. And this pretty much sums up my day as a solutions architect at AWS. Hey, my name's Kyle Hart. I'm a solutions architect in AWS Worldwide Public Sector, supporting our U.S. federal government customers in the science, healthcare, and public policy domains. So what's a typical day for me look like as a solutions architect? Uh, as an account essay, the, the really great thing about this role is, frankly, nothing is typical. So since we support the customers and I support a broad range of customers, the technology that I work on can vary from day to day and hour to hour. I had a call yesterday uh, reviewing a document uh, that a colleague had written for an idea for, for new value and, and potentially a new feature, maybe even a new service. So I had to draw on my domain expertise and, and provide feedback to that document as it goes through the, the review process at Amazon as we launch new capabilities on AWS. I had, had another meeting with one of our business development teams looking at, at how they can impact you know, future opportunities of, of very large customer requirements that span multiple years. Of course, as we're growing at the rate we're growing, had to interview a candidate looking to join our team and, and see if he would be a fit for our team and if our team would be a fit for him and his career goals. And then separate from that, some of the customer-facing work, uh, calls with customers looking to do high-performance computing on AWS, and those are always fun calls when, when we're talking about thousands and thousands of CPU cores over hundreds of hours a month, how to automate that, how to scale that. Uh, those very interesting discussions with some of the customers I support in the science area. I uh, had to review an architecture for uh, a healthcare system that a customer of mine is, is, is deploying. And the cool thing there is the impact that that will have on their customers, the volume of users that could be using this system and the, the, uh, how to scale that appropriately in the cloud and take advantage of, of those unpredictable demand patterns, which is a perfect use case for the cloud. So really nothing typical about any day. Every day is varied. The only thing in common from day to day is, is frankly the fast pace.